Almost five years ago, I watched a remarkable speech on YouTube given by Steve Jobs in 2005. It was part of preparation for the rapid development program that I was working towards with EY. During the speech, Steve makes the point to trust that you know where you're going, that only after that you're there can you then connect the dots. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it has made all the difference in my life. And the reason that this quote resonated with me personally was that I was starting to think about the future. I'd got to that five year point in my career, I was wondering what was gonna happen next. The next chapter in my story was about to begin. When it comes to your career, there really is no one formula for success. And if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today, I doubt I would have said employer branding, a career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the My Career Story Podcast. It's great to have you back with me today. Um, By the time you listen to this, um, I will be recovering from um, what I'm expecting to be a very fun weekend um, celebrating Pride in London um, with friends um, and loved ones um, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which for me is a particularly important part of my community's story. And community is something which I saw being particularly important in the work that was being created by today's guest, Scott Lancaster. Scott is the Managing Director of Clementine House Branding Agency and author of the recently self-published book, Parallel, exploring how meaningful connections are created in life, love and business. Scott helps business and people connect better, guiding the brands he works with to redefine their message and stand out in the world, as opposed to simply adding to the noise. His agency brings affordable branding services to those hungry to compete with the best in their industry. And it was this love for connections, especially those that are created in business, that really um, drove me to, to seek Scott out and to interview him in this week's episode. Without further ado, here you go. Enjoy. Right, okay, so um, thank you very much for joining me today, Scott. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, good. Nice to see you, finally, after all this time. I know, we've been chatting a lot, haven't we? So for those of you um, that um, haven't noticed us exchanging messages over Instagram and things um, over the last 12 months, I think it is, um, Scott first came to my attention um, through Instagram and um, the great work that he was doing there through branding, but also through his uh, self-published book, Parallel, um, that I just mentioned in the bio there, um, which I've read. It's a fantastic book. If anyone wants to go out there and grab it. Um, and so I really wanted to invite him to speak with me today because I think in terms of me building my own business, great inspiration for me. So thank you very much for that, Scott. 
Um, but also as well, just I think you've got a great story to tell, hopefully. So um, let's dive straight in if you're ready. Got what's your career story? So I'm going to be completely honest with you. This is going to sound like the most romantic bullshit you've ever heard in your entire life. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's 100% organic and true. So basically, I used to, between the age of like 17 and 21, I was a chef. Mm-hmm. I worked in and I was, I, was, I was massively passionate about food and that all kind of stemmed from the fact that my mum was a chef but also when I was in the kitchen one day with my mum and I was like 16 she, t- she told me you can't cook for shit Scott like you can't cook so then I basically left home like six months later and started working in like three Michelin star kitchens and stuff just to literally prove her wrong and just kind of keep a little bit of pride and learn how to make beans on toast properly but um, yeah so I was basically, at the, at the time when I started really noticing advertising and branding and really getting, sort of becoming aware of it, was um, I used to catch like a, a stupidly like um, early train, um, a stupidly early bus, sorry, in London to Chelsea, where I was working at the time at uh, Gordon Ramsay's Hospital Road. And I used to pass this, this massive Tesco and it had these massive billboards. And I used to think to myself, is this like, is this like 18, 19 year old, like, why is the advert done that way? Why is that particular person used? Why is that particular color used? Why does the logo look like that? Yeah. For a person who had never, like, I'd never actually, like, studied, like, marketing, or I never, like, I don't know where the actual curiosity came from, but it's all, like, it's literally all I used to think about. Apart from food, it was the only other thing that I used to think about. And then I started becoming, like, really interested in, like, the likes of, like, consumer psychology and, like, why do people buy things? Like, why do I want to buy this as opposed to that? To be honest with you, like, keep that, that just like started like a like a snowball effect from chefing. I basically I got fired. This was like the little trigger point, and triggers are really important. I was literally just talking to my flatmate about that about triggers in your life that kind of help you shift from one phase to another, and they're often not good good like good triggers, but they they kind of spur you on to better and more interesting things. Um, is I got, I got fired from this job, which I loved. Like I, I was absolutely in love with the food, the philosophy of the food, the people who I worked with. And slowly things started to change. And I basically said to the chef one day, listen, I want to go to university. And he was like, go to university. You, you never get into university. Um, so yeah, I kind of like, I was a little bit pissed off about that. And then I ended up getting fired from that job, completely losing like everything basically. Had to move back up north and start from scratch again start working in sales and eventually got into Manchester University where I was due to start in the, in the coming September. And um, I remember a conversation I had with a, a marketing agency that I was working with for free at the time. And I'll tell you the story of how I actually got that job later on because it's quite interesting. Um, and the, the marketing director, Colin, who I got on really well with um, for, for one reason or the other, said, um, you're quite entrepreneurial. Going to, going to university for you in particular like because like because of like you knew how I worked and stuff like I hate like reading and stuff like you know I do read a lot of books but if, if they're on audible then I will listen to it but if I can read it then like obviously if it's not on audible then I'll have to read it um, and he basically said if you go to university you'll waste a lot of your time and a lot of money as well for you for you personally because you're just not the right person for it um, and from there um, I basically made the the decision to start a business as opposed to going to university. And the funny thing is at the end of the actual, at the end of three years, I probably spent the same amount of money as I would have going to university, but I just learned a completely different skill set. Like not a better skill set and not a worse skill set. I just think I learned 
a ridiculous number, like a, a stupid number of different things, like for example, how to negotiate with suppliers, which eventually came in really handy when I was getting my book pub, like, you know, printed and stuff. So it's all kind of worked out really well and I've been extremely fortunate. So after the first business kind of, um, I know I'm really like running on type thing and that's basically what you want, but <laughs> I just want to kind of, yeah, I will, uh, I will cut it a little bit shorter. So yeah, um, after the first business kind of, kind of, um, evened out. I didn't make a lot of money, but I didn't lose any money either. It was just kind of like very even, but I learned a lot of lessons. Um, I basically went back to the drawing board and realized that I didn't actually understand as much as I thought I did. Um, working hard's really good. And obviously it's really good to have a really good work ethic, but um, there's working hard and then there's actually working hard with purpose and like with understanding. And I think that's something which I really didn't understand back then because I was just young and naive and I thought, I'll just work my ass off and hopefully it'll work out. And thankfully, I just didn't, I didn't get burnt as much as I probably could have. Yeah. Um, from there, just went back to the drawing board, read a student on a book, got introduced to Seth Gordon, which was an incredible, incredible turning point. Um, and just really, like, just really matured and um, then eventually started working with really small brands, literally doing, like, logos for, for brands for, like, five quid or whatever. And the big turning point, like, the actual... At a point where I could actually completely shift my nine to five job, which I was just working in like sales at the time, to working full time with the planning agency, was um, a, a spontaneous trip to Madrid, which I just randomly booked. So I'm in I'm in this gym in Madrid doing the bench press. This random guy who was from America who came to Madrid. This is the craziest story in the world, right? Craziest story in the world. Um, so I'd love to like say that I like I grafted for like you know 24 months or whatever straight without getting a minute of sleep and that's how my business finally set fire. But this is how it really set fire, and I want to be completely honest, right? I'm doing the bench press in this random little grotty, um, this little grotty gym in Madrid, and um, and this guy, this American guy out of nowhere, like sees me struggling, and we start chatting because he helps me with the bar after like I nearly kill myself basically trying to be a, a big lad, and now. Um, so he, he helps me up and we start chatting and stuff and he asks me what I do and I'll sort of carry on. He basically came, cut long story short, he came to Madrid to, to chase women, he said. He basically came to Madrid to chase this woman and to get to know her better. Um, and that's how we basically met. And then afterwards, out of nowhere, about a month or two later, I get an email from this, um, the, 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 the marketing director of the, the Melton, um, Melton County, Melty, Melton Australian Council for this campaign that they're doing on um, on lifelong learning, and they said, "Oh, do you want to pitch for the project?" And I was like, "What? Like, do you want to pitch for the project? Like, the Melton Australian Council, the city of Melton? Like, and I, like, how did you get? Like, how did you get my details? Oh, this um, this uh, my old friend from um from university or something in the US said that oh, you've like he helped you on a bench press once or something, and he said that you were good at what you do. I was like. That's nuts. That's absolutely insane. So we basically end up winning the business because obviously I didn't know how to price business back then. And I just literally undercut everybody. And then yeah, I just um, slowly quit my job. And from that, it has literally just been an absolute whirlwind, an absolute shitstorm, so to speak. <laughs> I love it. I mean, the, the, the way that you describe your journey there is just fantastic. And there's, there's loads of things there that I want to pick up on with you before I get before I let you rattle on even more, because you're great to listen to. So you mentioned a piece about curiosity there, and I think that's something that I see in a lot of the stuff that you push out through social media, but it's also something that I'm really interested in and that I'm, 
I try to get a lot of the clients that I work with to, to think about and young people as well because I think in the world and shout me down if you think I'm wrong but I think in the world that we're living in at the moment there's an element of us losing curiosity because everything's just pushed in front of us all the time so we don't really get a chance to think about things so you, you said like you were curious about the way that um, brands put themselves out there and why people bought things and stuff like that mm -hmm. but also as well at the same time you're looking and people are talking to you about university and, and saying things like our oh, university isn't really for you I heard you say there um, for young people that might be listening to this or for recruiters or anybody else that's looking and going right okay well I'm looking at getting people to make a choice between going to university or taking an apprenticeship route. So for me, an apprenticeship route, just through, through my own history, is almost akin to starting your own business because you build a strong skin, skill set and you're kind of there rolling your sleeves up and you get into the world of work. Yeah. Was, was there, has there been a point anywhere where you've looked back and been a little bit curious as to what your life might have turned out like if you'd gone the university route? Joiners, I've been asked this question probably about 500 times in the last like in the last five like five six years since I sort of made that decision, and I'll be completely honest, like I have thought about it, but looking back, I was literally asked it yesterday, literally asked it yesterday by a friend on the way to a cafe, um, and I just basically said like, like would I? It's it's a bit of a complex question because would I? Was I? Would I be more curious about going back and like having like the social aspect of university and and learning in that way? Yeah, I would. Do I regret it? Do I regret it? Not a, like not a single like not a single bit at all. Um, I think university is. I listened to uh, if you've read *Linchpin* by by Seth Gordon, like he talks about the educational system and how a lot of the educational system is to essentially. And I don't I don't mean this in any sort of disrespectful way. And I, I've got a lot of friends who went to university, and I've got them an utmost level of respect. I see them doing the late nights. I see them really applying themselves and sacrifice. And I love that sort of shit. That's what I live for. So, like Seth Gordon talks about how the educational sector system was essentially created to um to, to you know create cogs for to, to make the to make the, the world work to make society work and the economy work which in a sense you can kind of see how that's true and then he speaks about obviously how you can differentiate and make yourself indispensable and i just think like i, I just think I, I feel very lucky that um that colin from the the martin agency told me not to go because i feel like for me personally like i've always been the person to kind of for whatever reason for um, you know it's, it's it's worked out badly in some cases and it's worked out well in other cases to that i've, I've never been the, i've always been the person to say right okay that's the way things are generally done but what if i do it this way what if i do things completely differently like if i go to university um then i'll read a certain a certain certain books and I'll, this is from what I know, so please tell us if I'm wrong, but I'll, I'll read certain books to hit a certain criteria to pass certain grades and to, to write a dissertation to showcase my knowledge or whatever. See, I'm not like that where I can't, I can't work in like, in like terms or whatever. I'm the type of person where like, if something interests me, like it's almost boring in a way, like if something interests me, like at the moment I'm into copywriting and stuff, I'll literally just immerse myself in like that particular subject until I understand it. And it's, it's bad in a way because I literally just shut off away from the world. Like I'm just like, I just like I, no one can get in touch with me or anything. I just like I just kind of like avoid everything else. But um, but I just like kind of like drown myself in it until I become comfortable and almost fluent in the language, and then and that just that just works out better for me. And then I need like a two week break or something knackered, like absolutely just yeah, in need of some serious downtime. 
Yeah, do you, do you know that makes, that makes sense? But I, I think I might be challenged and go like, it's when when you do look into stuff that you're really interested in, you go into depth with it, and you lose yourself in that moment, no matter how long that moment is. There's always there's something for me about getting in in what you term as being in flow, and actually getting the best out of yourself and the work that you're doing. And we're all so distracted, and one of the easiest ways to be distracted is when you're being told to do something or you're doing something that feels like it's a tick list or that you're not really interested in doing. And I think what you're saying there, I think from interesting from my own experience at university, when I was at uni, I used to think I wasn't that much of an independent thinker because I was that goon that would take the reading list at the end of the lectures and run off to the library to try and get the articles and stuff before everybody else because I, th I thought that reading those articles was going to get me my degree and where I stumbled when I was doing I was chatting to this uh, to somebody about this the other day I can't remember who it was but around my um I was with was because somebody rang me from Durham Uni about fundraising and they were asking about my time there back in uh, 2001 through five and um and they were asking about my dissertation, for example, and I found my dissertation incredibly hard to do. I mean, I picked the wrong subject to start with, but um, I really lost myself because I, I realised I kind of got myself into a corner because I hadn't developed any independence of thought because I just read what I thought I was meant to be reading rather than stuff I was interested in, which was ironic because I picked geography as a subject that I did at uni because I loved it. And I didn't know what career I wanted to do. So I was like, right, okay, well, I'll do that because I'm interested in it. But what actually ended up happening was that the passion for it was lost. And it wasn't until I went, then went into the classroom to teach after I'd graduated that that passion came back because I was, allowed, I was able to bring a bit of personality into it and, and talk about stuff that I wanted to talk about rather than what a lecturer thought I should read. And... I think when you're when you've got role models in in kind of branding and marketing space like Seth, who we're both fans of, it's interesting because he gets you to think a bit differently and the ideas things pop out. And and his um, the first time I heard about him was Purple Cap. Um, and there's something that you said there about being good at what you do. So what do you think it is that makes you a Purple Cow? I think that um, I think that particularly within within agencies that work at my sort of, um, at my sort of like accessible price point for, you know, smaller businesses, startups and stuff. Cause essentially like, like what, what I want to be is the, like the entire mission for, you know, since, since I literally got the idea for Clementine House was to help smaller businesses compete more effectively because large businesses connect with their customers in a completely different way to smaller businesses. And the difference between those is free. It's completely and utterly free. If you know what you're doing and you read the correct books, it's literally the cost of the books basically and the time that you actually take to read them. The difference is how you actually communicate that message. So a larger, um, if you want this in more depth, then go to uh, watch Start With Why by Simon Sinek on his TEDx talk and that'll go, that'll pretty much tell you a really good outline of why you should be speaking in this language um, mm -hmm. with this sort of approach. So large customers, large companies know that Customers don't buy things with logic. They buy with emotion and they justify it with logic afterwards. So we don't need 
um, a car which which goes you know stupid miles per hour or we don't need a car which has got the leather seats but we buy it because we know that our neighbor um, Joe Bloggs or whatever is going to be looking into that and saying after oh, the hell they must be doing well you know they've got the nice car leather seats they've got the the new alloys and stuff obviously that doesn't apply to everyone but like you would be you would be it, it's scary how many purchasing decisions we actually make based on emotion and how we want the world to perceive us and once you actually become aware of that you can save yourself a fucking fortune because like really like like i'm not a very materialistic person um and i've definitely became less materialistic from learning these you know th these things and actually thinking you know like i'm, I'm looking at it. what was the last thing you know, I'm sure it was like a, like a watch or something. Like I saw a watch or something in an airport and I was like, that watch is amazing. And I literally had the exact, I had the money spare from the trip and I was, I was either going to get a converted or I could have bought this watch. And I was literally trying on and everything. And I was just like, do you know what it is? Like everything that I've read about, about me thinking like in my mind now, I'm just thinking about this watch and what outfit I'll be wearing it with, how I'll be wearing it. All, all the people saying, oh, that's a really nice watch and stuff. And it's just, just kind of backtracking and just taking a back seat and saying, okay, why do I really want this watch? And then if you're really honest with yourself, and I'll be honest with you, some people won't be honest with themselves. Some people can't. Some people will continue to do this. And at the end of the day, if that makes them happy, then that's absolutely fine. But I just feel like I see so many people purchase things um, on, you know, in, in circumstances where they just really, they really don't need to, you know, like they're, they're complete enough without purchasing, you know, this ridiculously fast car which they really don't need it you know other other bits and bobs which is just a little bit excessive but that's just my personal opinion and i'm sure a lot of people disagree with me i saw somebody on instagram sharing something yesterday and um it was kind of like the the pieces around what it costs to start running a business and the way that people say oh i could never afford to start a business yeah and having been, been like 12 months down the road now like you can afford to start a business I didn't put a huge amount of money in to start it I, I see it as an investment and but people look at things that, that they want and they need and we all need kind of a piece around security and wanting to kind of be the best that we can be but there's that risk piece with business but when people are buying things you've got like uh, the latest iPhone that's going to cost you a grand and so and we're, we're all happily shelling out for a grand for a new phone so we've got the latest piece of technology and I'm not judging because I did exactly the same thing for the iPhone X when that came out but um, if you had a thousand pounds to spend on a phone a thousand pounds is more than enough to start a business because it costs you like 12 quid to register the company online and then just get yourself going Websites are cheap to set up as long as you've got the idea and you've got some way of selling a product, whether it's um, like having the ability to just click and buy things on your website or if you're going to be a consultant or something that you've got somebody in your network that you can start talking to. You've got the ability to start a business, but it's something that a lot of people are shying away from. And I, I, I think when, be interested, kind of, what would you say to people that were particularly young people that are maybe looking and going, do you know what? I'm not interested in uni. I'm not interested in an apprenticeship. I really want to start my own business, but I don't think I can. So first and foremost, I think it's really important to point out that, you know, this actual topic that we're discussing about people actually being aware and consciously not buying the stuff that we emotionally want. Yeah. It's, it's far easier to say than to do because yeah. that is yeah. Yeah. Of thousands worth of years of evolution that, you know, that this all happens in the limbic system, um, which is kind of our, like our survival, you know, the, the, the place where we kind of, um, 
yeah. survival center of the brain, which you know is, is essentially like what governs everything. Like the, 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 the outer cortex is where all the logic happens. That is literally just trying to um, kind of serve the limbic system's appetite. So like we're, we're bollocks basically, like we haven't got a chance. Um, back to your actual question though, in regards to if, if somebody, you say someone, if someone's young and they are looking to start a business, what would I say to them? Yeah, because yeah, I, I think when like, especially because of the, the time that I spent at EY working on the, the school leaver promotion um, piece and going into schools or members of my team going into schools and giving presentations and speaking to young people. And we're positioning two options because those were the two options that we had. It wasn't like there was a start your own business option with that because it wasn't part of the offering. But it, it is part of the offering. And I go along to a lot of like, big careers fairs like you've got down at the Excel Centre here in London every November, December time. And there's nobody there that's telling the, the entrepreneurial story. Yeah. That young people can go up to and go, how do I do what you do? Yeah. I think it's um I think it's really important to be completely honest with them up front, like upfront. Like it's really I think it's a tricky subject though Keith because you you kind of, you don't want to kind of like dishearten people, but I think that entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. And there's even some days like very, in the very beginning where I'm kind of like thinking like, do you know what it is? Like it might, it would be a lot easier just to get a normal average job and just, you know, take all the uncertainty out of this because it isn't for everybody. And you kind of have to, to actually even get in the door of entrepreneurship and actually like start running your own thing to actually make that transition is very tricky and it's very difficult. And I think that, what would I say to a young person? So my little brother's 16. And he's, he's, he's actually turned 16 on the, on the 11th of um, July. He's basically looking to start his own like website company. And that is essentially from, from me building websites and stuff. And he's helped me do some things. Yeah. And he, the thing which he seems like very kind of cautious of is the fact of it failing. Like people seem extremely, conscious of the fact that you know the business could fail and then they could look like an idiot or they could lose everything and that's just not the case like like failing is literally and i know this is really cliche and like pretty much everyone on youtube who's got a motivational video about entrepreneurship says it but feeling is like i've learned so much from failure that it's like now i'm at a point where i've seen i've seen the failure where it's hurt where it's literally almost killed me for example we, the watch company, which I started, almost got sued for trademark infringement, right? Because I used my second name and the name, so Lancaster, the, the actual company was called Lancaster Roberts. Right. Their watch company in Italy was called um, Lancaster Scott or something, like something stupid. Or yeah, Lancaster watches or something stupid like that. So the, the person basically said, the, uh, the, the person who was kind of handling the suit basically said, you can, you can, you, it's probably 50-50 that you're going to win or lose but it's up to you if you want to take that chance. Mm. I ended up just rebranding the business because the name wasn't like, it was the message of the, the brand that I was actually bothered about. I wasn't bothered about the name. Um, but basically from that, from that single thing, and it cost me like a couple of grand to basically put that to bed. From that, now I consult. But So the, the learning of actually learning about trademarks and where I went wrong and where you should be going and what you should do. Now I work with businesses and help them not make that mistake. And trust me, man, I've made a lot more than what I fucking paid on that. So everything, everything, like I've, I've seen the pain. I've seen the, the fact that every single time I open a letter now, when I opened that one letter that was in Italian, I didn't understand what the fuck it said. And I was like basically getting sued. I couldn't read the actual letter, but I knew what it said. Like I was like, 
this does not look good, man. It's got some words in here I do not like the, <laughs> do not like the look of. But um, yeah, like everything has a silver lining. Like it's a whole yin and yang theory. If something bad happens, generally something good's going to come from it. It depends how you approach it, though. But I've seen the pain of a situation, and I've also seen the the fruits of it coming afterwards. So whenever pain comes at me now, like when I, whenever anything something happens. I just take it with a pinch of salt and say, listen, I'm going to learn something here which is going to become extremely valuable in the future. I'm either going to be able to help someone else with it or I'm going to be able to help myself with it. So that's the kind of mindset that I've got at the minute. I think everyone, if, if someone adopts that mindset and actually understands that I'm not just talking shit, that is literally, that, that will literally change your life without a shadow of a doubt. I completely agree. It was something that um, Kathy picked up on the, uh, the pod last well just this whole kind of like failing piece and there's lots that I read about when people talk about failing about failing forwards and just making sure that like you learn from it like you're saying which is the important bit because if you're failing and you keep doing the same thing then you've got to question yourself a little bit deeply I think um but there's just so much in terms of the early career space as well where young people are just scared to fail so they don't want to take the apprenticeship route because it's not what everybody else is doing and they maybe don't want to take that route because it's not what their parents are telling them they should be doing. It's not what their teacher telling them they should be doing. So we're putting all of this stress on something which, do you know what, like at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, because if I was to put those three options for young people in front of, in front of them, of an apprenticeship, university, or starting your own business, they're all probably just as risky, in my opinion, because you can go to university and realise that you've done the wrong degree yeah. or that you've saddled yourself with a load of debt you're not enjoying it. So the, the the most kind of shocking thing about university at the moment still, and it's something that was still there 10 years ago because I was writing about it earlier, is that people still leave university and aren't employable yes. and can't get a job. So it's not a guarantee for you to get a job. So in a sense there, there's an element of failure and risk. Going down an apprenticeship road, I've seen plenty of apprentices that have kind of dropped out of an apprenticeship program at some point during their journey because they've gone, oh, I made the wrong choice. I'm actually going to go to university or I didn't realize there was all of these exams and I'm failing the exams. So I'm never actually going to get that qualification. And then the business, as we know, like you've got the fails and stuff. So I just find it really interesting that when you go down an entrepreneurial route, it's the bit that tends to be what people stress about and fear the most when it's prevalent throughout the life itself anyway, but every other option that you might start your career journey on. Yeah, so it's like, so it's like, um, <clears throat> like social approval, isn't it? Like it's one of those things where if you, if you go down the street and there's three cafes and you fancy a cup of, like a cup of coffee and you know, the entrepreneur, like the entrepreneur cafe is like, you know, there's a couple of people in there and the, the apprenticeship cafe is generally a little bit full as well, but the university cafe is absolutely heaving. You you automatically think like that's the place like that's the place where everyone should go and eventually though I think people are I think universities I'll be completely brutally honest and people are not going to appreciate this comment at all I think universities are going to be completely and utterly just pushed away in the next kind of ten years the reason being is there are the only actual gate that universities actually have that I feel is the the kind of the credibility and the authority in the educational sort of um, sphere and realm eventually when um like obviously more and more people are taking online courses and stuff i think that when industries start to develop their own kind of like online learning and on, like kind of their, their own educational um, platforms as opposed to universities kind of taking the reins and doing that and just completely manipulate the system like creating 
massive fees of like nine grand, 10 grand a year, and then holding you to this curriculum and getting taught by, you know, people who are potentially even teaching material, which is outdated, um, hopefully not. But like, I just, I just think that the, the industries, it's, it, it's going to be left behind because of technology and because of uh, just people's thirst for learning at the wrong, like at, at, at the wrong pace and also learning um, like a certain spectrum of things like this. I just, I just think it's, there's no way of saving it. I just don't think there's any way of saving it. People are going to hate the fact that I'm saying that, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> don't care. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to hate it. I mean, I, I agree with you in some parts there as well. I think, I mean, they're institutions in this country, so I think they're, they're kind of never going to go away, but they are going to have to seriously rethink and repurpose the way that they market themselves, first of all, because you, even within the apprenticeship space, you've got degree apprenticeships now. So there's kind of like, you can get a degree without going to an actual university, particularly a lot of the Russell groups and stuff. Um, but there is that kind of piece of, well, I was also as well, I look at it and go, well, Gen Z, like they love to learn and they'll go online and just learn it. They'll look at a YouTube course or they'll go and pay. And I've done it myself in the last week, like paid 20 quid for a course or something. And I'm learning something that I've, I'm, I'm kind of looking, I can put that into the business at some point in the future. It's just a nice development point for me. So I've always been one of those geeks that wants to be learning something. And I think, yeah, you've got, because we're all, not necessarily addicted to our phones because not everybody's addicted to it but it's ingrained in our lives now you have kind of had that expectation of kind of well why would i go and sit in a lecture theater to learn about that because to be fair one of the things that you can get away with at university and maybe people won't like me saying this either is that you don't necessarily have to go to your lectures to pass a university degree that's true when I've heard as well, it's very, it's very true. And I think the, the, the thing that I'm kind of focusing on, I'm not even like, I know that universities and generally like, when you see like university marketing, like efforts, right? They're all generally the same. You've got the likes of like Oxford and Cambridge, like they, they don't even have to um, like really advertise, you know, but like they, they all pretty much think the same tune every single year, depending on the different university and stuff. But the thing that I'm focusing on is consumer behavior, customer behavior. And essentially, a student is a customer of the university because they invest in that university and their education. That's the product. Their mm. education is the product, right? So what I'm thinking about is how the, the universities are going to stay pretty much the same unless, the, unless something dramatically changes. However, the customer, that's what's going to change you know, in, in, in stupid terms. So for example, Amazon, back when they first ever started doing online sales, nobody bought anything online. It was very, very, very rare when someone actually bought something online because it wasn't trusted because nobody knew that it was, it was the, the best way to do things. And over time, oh, Susan bought something online. Have you bought anything online yet? Nah, not yet. That's not for me. Like, I can't do that yet. Like, I, I don't trust I'm not putting my bank details in my computer. Are you crazy? Anyone could steal them. And then, oh, like, oh, like Terry, Terry done it as well. Oh, shit. Well, we're there. Like, maybe I should do that. So it's, it's just, and then, and then now everyone buys stuff online. Amazon is is literally one of the most secure places to actually put your, your car details. They don't even ask you for it anymore. They have it online and you just literally click one thing and, and it's there. All the time, we're not going to be buying cars from showrooms. We are, we're going to literally just put some of those VR glasses on and we're just going to be sitting in our seat and we've got the car around us. And that, that's going to be something which is going to merge into buying houses and stuff. Like we're not going to have to see the house. We're going to put these, you know, these VR glasses on and just walk around the house as if like, as if we're actually there. Education is exactly the same. So 
every like even with Uber and stuff, Uber is more convenient. It's more tailored to the customer's needs. Universities are pulling too many strings from my point. Like they are, they're, they're trying to they're trying to keep things the way they want them, and they're not thinking about as much about the actual student as they should be. And the student, the thing that's shit scary is the student has the power because. To be honest with you, what can someone what can someone actually learn in university apart from the experience? That's obviously really important. What could someone learn in, in university that they can't learn online or by reading the same books? Really, apart from like getting a getting some uh, getting some pe- a piece of paper to say, oh like oh like I've done this degree and this and I, and I got a one a one one or a, like a first or a second or whatever. And the so another point about that is the like actually accessing a workplace. So that's so the people who actually take on these university students are going to have to adopt to this new kind of structure. The shit is going to hit the fan like big time, and I can't wait. Like I'm so excited because it's been it's been worthy of a change for so long, and I just think that I think it's going to give so many more people like a chance to to learn about the things that they're actually interested in as opposed to like developing this structured mindset from a university course which the same people in the same class have pretty much done the same apart from you know yeah. unless they're speaking unless they're learning something completely different independently yeah, i completely agree i go back to that piece you said about the like the university experience i think when i look back people say people ask me the same question because a lot of my career for the for the last eight nine years anyway has been focused on promoting apprenticeships and I have not done an apprenticeship I mean there's actually one that's coming out shortly that I've had my eye on that I'm thinking about maybe I'm going to do an apprenticeship whilst I'm doing my business but it'd be quite nice to just see what it's like to do it as well um but I look back at uni and people say to me well would you go to uni again then if apprenticeships were kind of there because back in what 2000 2000 2001 when I was deciding what unis and stuff to go to it wasn't even put in front of me that there was an alternative so it was just uh, so in tutor time today we're going to do UPS so you need to start researching what unis you're going to go to what open days and things like that and so it was kind of just like a sausage machine thing where I naturally just went I mean, I, I wanted to go. I was the first in my family to go, so I've, I've always been proud of that and stuff. But And I loved the, the subject that I was going to, which I was kind of looking and going, well, I'm going to spend, back then, it was cheaper to go to university as well. So I'm looking and going, if I'm going to saddle myself with 12K of debt, which it ended up being, um, then I want it to be worth it because I haven't got a clue what career I'm going to go into next. So I might as well have some kind of ROI on it. But... If people say to me, well, why would you still go to university? Then I say it's because of the person that I became whilst I was there. Because I developed a lot of social skills that I, and I took on a lot of positions of responsibility. And that then encouraged me to be more myself when I left. It encouraged me to come out a couple of years later after I'd um, graduated. And it set me off on that journey of a bit more authentic living. I think. But... Do I think my my degree was useful? Well, yeah, because I ended up teaching it and the subject itself. But would I go back to university again? Yeah, yeah, I would. But like, there's always been that little devil on your shoulder, isn't there? Of kind of what what would be, um, what would be will be. So I'm trying to think in terms of going back to to your own career, Sarah. I think one of the things that um, as mentioned, that I think is really interesting about you is that you published your own book, so you self-published a book. So talk me through that journey that you went through of kind of, I want to write a book. 
And so, dot, dot, dot. So this was, again, like pretty much every single decision comes from like just this, just this like thing, like I'll, th I'll think about things. Like I'm sure there's probably like something wrong with me. Like I'll just be thinking about things. Like even, even if I'm like spending time with like a girlfriend or something, like if I'm seeing somebody, like we could be in the middle of like anything and I'll just, I'll just start thinking about like, why, why, why is that like that? Honestly, man, like, I, like I'm sure, I'm sure there's something like there's a screw loose somewhere. So all, all the like two years before I actually even started thinking about it, I was thinking about like relationships that I've had. And obviously at that point I was starting to actually really get into like branding and like customer psychology and how our brains work. And um, say for example, like how companies develop trust between, you know, the, the customer and them and the brand and, and also how we can develop trust with like a, someone who we could potentially romantically be interested in. And I started seeing like so many parallels between the two. And I was just like, and I was just this, like I was looking for books that have like been, been, been written on it. And there was nothing that, I'd read a couple of them and I just, I couldn't find anything that really focused on just that subject of, you know, the connection between generating a relationship because a, rela like a connection is a connection, no matter what it is, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship, like with a loved one, or whether it's a company, a brand. I learned that there are so many different, like there's, there's so many things that are just so, so similar. And I had to, I had to, like, it was almost like a, like, like an urge, like an urge to, to, to write it. And at the time I was so ridiculously busy. I had to just be so structured with my time and just be like, right, okay, I need to do this. I need to, I need, I need, I need to just write this down. So I just start structuring things out. And then I'll be honest, I actually wrote 19,000 words. I, I planned to do 30,000 words. So I actually looked at how many words Purple Cow had in it. I think it had about 25. And I said, I'm going to do 5,000 more on that roughly. I want to get into that. I wrote 19,000 words uh, whilst traveling in Asia. And one day, I read it and it was shit. <laughs> I literally, like I'd have read it, 19,000 words and I just, I just literally scrapped it all. I said, this is completely, this is, this is the worst thing ever. I've, I've spent so much time doing this and it's, it's, the content is there, mm -hmm. but it wasn't structured in a way that was engaging. So I basically took a, um, I took a masterclass course by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who's one of my favorite authors. It was really, really good. Um, he basically talks about how to structure things, how important story is, which I already knew, but I'd forgotten about. So that's how I kind of restructured it. I basically wanted to create a, a structure for every single chapter so that it was consistent, but also had to take, I took the actual reader through a little bit of a journey. So it starts off with a story. Every single chapter starts off with a story, a real life story that's actually happened. Um, so one of the one of the chapters, for example, is about Vladimir Putin and how how important first impressions are. Um, and he basically like he's he's trapped in this in this uh, in this watchtower and the during the you know the, the the revolution, so to speak. You know, like all these angry people are outside wanting to basically rip him apart. No one's coming to help him, and he basically opens this door in front of all these angry people and just says, "Listen, he's completely lying, by the way. There are guards inside, and if you come inside, they're going to shoot you." So you need to back off. And in front of these hundreds of people, this guy with the, the biggest balls in the entire world, it just literally just completely conned like this entire crowd. And that just shows like how important first impressions actually are. And it, it just kind of spurred from that. Like, like there's so many of these little tiny things which are so, so similar. And the, I'll be honest with you, I literally, I literally expected to sell two books, one of my mum and one of my gran. My grand didn't even buy one and my mum doesn't read. So I was well and truly screwed, man. I gave my nan one for Christmas and she was like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
I was knackered, but thankfully it's actually done quite well. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm literally overwhelmed every single time an order comes in for it. I am literally so, so happy. That's, oh, it's amazing. It's the best feeling in the world. That's good. I mean, it is a great book. So congratulations on writing it. Um, I certainly got a lot out of reading it as well. And one of the things that you, you've got in there, I mean, it's in the title of it anyway, isn't it? Around meaningful connections and stuff. And this was, this was the, the one question that um, I told you in advance I, I might ask you. It's kind of like, so thinking about the work that you do and you've talked a lot about emotional connections and you're obviously an expert in, in what you've, you've been doing. But there are times, I think, for all of us when you might struggle to get engaged with what you're doing. So I just wondered, when, when do you think the last time was that you felt disconnected from the work that you were doing and what was driving that? When I was disconnected from the, the work that I was doing? Yeah, so like when you might have like normally been quite excited about a piece of work, but you really struggled to get through it for some reason. It wasn't too long ago. It was actually, it wasn't just one piece of work, it was just the entire work in general. So I... It was probably around four months ago, roughly. And in fact, no, it was in the uh, the month of. It wasn't in May. It was in the. It was just before May, just just before the start of May this year. So basically, um, I I set kind of like monthly targets every single month, and um, financial ones, personal ones, it doesn't matter. Like I just I just make sure I set like three sort of monthly targets, and I have yearly ones. So eventually, the monthly targets should eventually go to the yearly target, and. I basically set the uh, the target for a particular month, um, a financial one, and I ended up hitting it. However, I found myself that I was focusing too much on the financial aspect of the business that I forgot what I actually did. So during that time, obviously, all the clients were still happy. However, I was um, I was I was focusing too much on getting the work done as opposed to really doing going the extra like the extra couple of steps, you know, that I don't have to do. Like the client's expectations there, but the entire reason why those that client was there in the first place was simply because they'd been referred to me by another person who I'd went that extra mile for. So um so me was me was quite kind of quiet. The reason being is the kind of the reason that I kind of um sort of realized that is because I hadn't went that extra mile. That wasn't like, that was the philosophy which had driven the business forward and kept me so busy for the, like the last two years. And I, I realized, thankfully, I realized sooner rather than later that, you know, the, that little extra mile has been the thing which has been my differentiator, my little, you know, my, my little thing that, you know, say, for example, if a, if a client wants, you know, a, a, an extra style of business card or they, 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 they haven't paid for the service, but they don't understand brand positioning. So I call them for 20 minutes and just like, explain to them, listen, this is why you need to be doing this X, Y, Z. Or they're struggling to get a domain, so I, I jump on a call with them and tell them, right, okay, this is what you need to be looking for, X, Y, Z. And just being, to be honest with you, just generally giving a shit, like generally caring about somebody and caring about their business. Because essentially, if they grow, then they can come back to me with bigger projects and more interesting projects. So that was it. And I'll be honest with you, that whole, that lesson has taught me to, to just slow down, just be patient and just actually remember why I even started in the first place. The fact that I get to sit at a desk and create logos and branding and speak to, speak to interesting, intelligent, educated people about their businesses and where they want to go. Like I literally, like I literally every single day feel like, feel like it's all just a dream and I'm just enjoying it while it lasts. Like that's literally like, I literally feel like I'm just playing one massive game and eventually someone's going to just take the disc out and just say, time's up. Like, 
like literally like I, I, that's honestly how I feel sometimes like it's, it's absolutely mental it's insane yeah I mean, it's, it's interesting isn't it like when when you're you're good at something and you're happy and um you're getting good feedback and stuff we still have those kind of niggly doubts of like oh am I going to get found out and that comes back to that whole imposter syndrome bit but it, it sounds like you're I mean certainly from the stuff that I've followed over the last 12 months since I discovered you and and the work that you've been doing in the book and everything sounds like you've got some like really um positive stories to tell I mean are there any other memorable career moments that you can think of uh, off the top of my head I'll be honest it's it's, it's literally just like a, a constant thing like there's not one that kind of just stands out to be completely honest with you um but it's just kind of um oh for, for example, here's a, here's a little sort of story, which I think was really kind of interesting. It just kind of shows as well that I was on the right path to begin with. So there was this guy called Sebastian who came to me and he was, uh, he, he was operating a freight company in, um, in Russia. And he basically asked me to, to build a website and a logo. So the full package basically, he was the first one to actually, when I started putting packages together for branding on websites, when I actually started developing websites, he was the first one to purchase one. Um, and at the time, I was literally just making ends meet. Like literally, I was truly in the in, in the doghouse, big time. Like I was very, very, um, I wasn't very um, good with managing money and stuff back then. So this was like literally when we when I first started the business about three, four months in. Um, so he basically came to me. We did all the website and stuff, and we were at a point where he was happy with the website. I knew that, but I knew from something which I'd read a week before that for retarget marketing. Mm-hmm. The website wouldn't have been effective. So I basically emailed him. I remember emailing him at one o'clock in the morning. I said, Sebastian, I'm really, really sorry. I know, like, I'm not sure what time is over there right now, but um, I, I read something last week and I need to do a couple of tweaks on the website. He was due to launch the next day. And I said to him, I said, if, if I don't do this, like, I'm literally going to, like, I, I, I'm, it's going to bug me for the next, like, for, for as long as I, like, until I do it, basically. Well, he basically he basically emailed me back and said, "Yeah, just crack on, take, take as long as you need, just let me know when it's done." So I basically spent the entirety of the next day refocusing the website, making sure the buttons were in the right places, so that you know later on down the line uh, a, a remarketing strategy can be put in place effectively, which is really important for growing business and really you know marketing effectively. And um, and I'll never forget when he paid the the second like the the the, the remaining instalment for the website and the branding he actually paid double what the actual package was worth. So he, he, so the package was worth X, he paid 2X. And just that, that's the only story which just reminds me as like a little reminder, like if I could frame anything, I would just frame that little experience and just put it on there. Just to remember that, going an extra mile and really putting the client first. Like I know there's a lot of businesses that say, put the, they put the client first, like they are the customer services are a big thing. Don't fucking like. Don't fucking say that because it's bullshit. If you're if you're having to say that, then you you're not doing it because the time that you should be spending like like this, the the time should be spent actually going the extra mile for the customer as opposed to telling everyone about it. It's like it's like people people come to me and they say, oh, I've got I've got this I've got this amazing business idea for a, um, an apparel brand. Like I want to I want to make t-shirts for I don't know fucking sustainable like sustainable t-shirts, sustainable uh, clothing. What's your USP? So it's sustainable and it's the highest quality and it's going to be at a really affordable price. That is the USP. And no one's going to buy into that because every man and his fucking dog is doing that. Everyone. And it pisses me off because I just want to kind of, I just want to get, I just want to make like a collection, a collection of audio books, which I know for a fact facts want to make them realize that they're on the, like they're going to waste so much money and just give it to them and just say like, listen, read this. 
because you need to understand that people do not buy because of something being sustainable. Very, very rarely do they, do, do they buy that. Still at this point, at this point in time, even though people are becoming more aware of it, they still won't do that. Also, as well, people don't buy because stuff's the cheapest. Yeah, if it's like toilet roll or something, but they don't buy T-shirts generally because it's the cheapest. They want to buy something which they can buy into. Unless it's like Primark, that's different. But um, and, and thirdly, people don't buy stuff because it's the highest quality. Coca-Cola has lost every single taste test since the start of time against Pepsi. And guess which one sells more? Coca-Cola every single time because they understand that they can connect themselves with the, you know, this feeling of happiness and all these other little you know, touch points that they create. And Pepsi... They're just not as effective as that. They, they, they go for a slightly different demographic simply because Coca-Cola is so dominating in that, you know, in, in, you know with their target audience. That it's, it's just so annoying when, like, when, um, when, 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 it's, um, when, you, when you need to kind of educate people. It doesn't annoy educating people in that sort of sense, but when you try to educate them and then they just go away and do it anyway, I can't really do much about it, you know. Like, it's just kind of a, it's a, it's a bit of a, yeah, a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Yeah, I'm... Um... I was literally, we were talking about this before we started recording about Love Island, I was literally going to say it is what it is. Um, it is what uh, You're right. And, and with something like Coca-Cola as well, I was just smiling to myself as you were, you were saying that because I know you got that emotional connection with it and my emotional connection with Coca-Cola and um, it's the same for my mum as well. We both get excited every year when you see the Coca-Cola Christmas truck advert. This is this is ingrained in our heads as well. Literally, just yeah, get it's got it in there, and then you go to the supermarket and you think, oh well, I better get some mixers for Christmas drinks and stuff like that, or and you just naturally picking that up. And yeah. it's hard. I mean, like I prefer the taste of Pepsi, but I still buy Coke. Yeah, man. Just, so it's 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 just really interesting with that. So. I'm mindful of time, um, and so what I just want to wrap up with is to ask you, what do you think you and um, others can learn from your career story so far? I think that at the end of the day, right, I literally grew up on a council estate with a, in, a, in a single parent household, and the amount, like, obviously, we, we're not going to touch on any of that sort of side of the story from in, in this particular podcast, but I can honestly say that if, if, if I literally achieve anything in like in my entire life, it's to, it's to show that uh, a regular, very, very regular, average looking guy with absolutely no talent whatsoever, um, if I do end up achieving anything of any significance or importance, is that no matter where you come from, no matter what you do, even if you're I'm stupid, man. Like, I'm literally, I'm not an intelligent person at all. I'm not intelligent, but I'm just ridiculously sort of um, just just driven just to just to prove a lot of people, a lot of people wrong. All the people who said, oh, like, oh, you won't go to university or you, you can't do that. This is impossible. All that sort of bullshit. And I'm just going to show them. I'm, I'm not going to say anything to them. I'll just let them say what they need to say. And then I'm just going to show them that it can be done. And everyone else can do that as well. Everybody. Uh, just, just to show that with hard work and just, reading the right books, focusing your, you know, investing in yourself and putting your money in, in intelligent places instead of buying bullshit and doing what every fucker else is doing, being a little bit smarter with it and create a life that you can be fucking thrilled with because I'm not, I'm not going to lie, man. I fucking love the way my life is at the moment and I, it, it may get better. I could lose fucking everything tomorrow, mate, and I'd just be as happy. I'd just be as happy. Just be as happy. I'm going to be homeless after I, after I get rid of this house, man. And I can't fucking wait because I'm going to be starting from the ground up. I'm starting a new business at the end of the year in property. And this is all spurring on from the fact of 
just literally like there are no fucking limits all these limitations that we have in our mind is all absolute bullshit and i'm swearing and i'm being quite kind of um, aggressive about it because it's so fucking true and the sooner people realize that the sooner that they'll actually start fucking like perking up and actually realizing you know what it is all this bullshit that i hear on motivational videos and stuff it's fucking true because I'm, I'm living fucking proof of it and i'm only like five percent there like two percent there yeah nuts sorry for going around man i really i do i do apologize I really love it and I think like there's there's just something really infectious about your passion about the work that you do and the the way that you approach life and stuff that I think I learn a lot from and that people that listen to this will learn from so don't apologize for that at all um it's been really really great to talk to you this afternoon Scott and thank you for taking the time out um I will be adding some links through to um Scott's website and through to the place where you can go and buy his amazing book um everybody that's listening um, but thanks for sharing your career story this afternoon, Scott. Yeah, you're an absolute legend. I'll put a discount code on as well. Uh, we'll sort of the discount code together and stuff for the people who are on the podcast, just to kind of give them a little bit of a yeah, a little, a little, a little, little present, so to speak. Yeah, but thank okay. you so much for having me on. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Scott. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye.